How is Jesus human? It's an intriguing question because sometimes we have a hard time believing that the Jesus who rose from the grave for our sake was and is just like us. It is through Christ's humanity that we are able to better understand who God is, a God who was willing to walk among us as one of us. Well, this is uh, pretty exciting for me on a couple different fronts. One, this is the first time I've spoken to a congregation like this in a hot minute. Like, I went from multiple services multiple times a week to, let's just say my wife is really excited that I have a new outlet for this. <laughs> uh, and the second thing is to be able to address and to speak here at Community Christian, though I honestly do not relish having had to follow Pastor John for the last couple of weeks. And, uh, but it is, it is great to be with you, and it's great getting to know you. And we're going to get to know each other more, which I'm really excited about. But, but I want to share some things on the front end that, that maybe you wouldn't expect or know of me. Okay, So, so the first thing I want to share with you is that I am a marathoner. right? You, you wouldn't expect that, right? Now, by marathoner, I mean half-marathoner. Because the long one, that's just dumb, right? And by half marathoner, I mean I ran one once a decade ago. But regardless, like that's a thing. And, and I'm actually training again. And part of that is because um, I was called out by my 21-year-old over COVID. We were having a conversation and I am sure I dialed back into my running the marathon, half marathon one time story to talk about resilience. And my son looks at me and he goes, Dad, that was like a decade ago. You need a new story. So I said, fine, I'm going to start training again. So I started training again. I got my hands on a Peloton. Any Peloton's in here, we can change, trade uh, screen names later if you want to do that. I got my hands on that and dropped 50 pounds, started running again and, and training again. But there's one thing that I have come to learn about myself in the midst of my training. And that is, I am a perennial bonker. Does anybody know what bonking is? Bonk, anybody? So bonking is, is a term they use for hitting the wall. That, that means you work out so hard that you deplete all your glycogen stores and you literally just run out of steam. And, and I am a perennial bonker. Like, so, so here's the deal. I, I realized that when I was training for my half marathon a decade ago, but it's become evident, like even on the Peloton, I can't tell you the number of times in the last six months that I've yelled from the office, Angie, go get me a banana now. Like I, I was just crashing, right? And so, so I've been working on this and trying to figure this out. Why do I bonk so often? And I, I've really narrowed it down to two things that come up from my training. The first is I underestimate the toll that the exercise is going to take on my body. But then I also overestimate the, the reserves that I have in the tank to actually accomplish the workout. So, so those two things go hand in hand, and that's what creates this bonking moment. But here's the challenge for me, and maybe for some of us. I don't just bonk working out. I have a tendency to life bonk. You know what life bonking is? You underestimate the kind of challenges and struggles you're going to bump up against in life. You underestimate the toll it's going to take on you. 
and you overestimate the strength, your capacity, what you have in your tank to fulfill all that you need to do, and you just run out. But it's not just even in life. I, and this is probably one of the most challenging struggles I've faced. My spiritual journey has had its fair share of bonking. Because in my spiritual journey, I have at times underestimated the challenges of this journey of faith. Jesus says, come follow me. And I'm always like, yeah, let's do this, right? And, and like I've got all this stuff in the tank that's going to carry me through. And, and when I overestimate my capacity, it leaves me drained, depleted, run out. I got any spiritual bonkers in here? People who have done that a couple times where you've underestimated what it, the cost of following Jesus and you've just, you've just been resting and relying on your own reserves and it's created a few issues for you. So let's talk about that this morning, can we? Can we, can we can we ask the question, do I have to spiritually life bonk? Can I, is, is there another option? That's, that's the question we want to wrestle with today. So we are at the end of our series, The Jesus I, I Never Knew. And it's been a great series where we've been exploring an element of Jesus' existence that, that maybe we don't always talk about. His humanity. Like in America, I find that we talk about Jesus' divinity all the time. Like he is... He is the, the resurrected Messiah, the Son of God, the, the soon-coming King. But we sometimes forget that he put on our blemished skin with our nappy hair and our stanky morning breath and made his dwelling amongst us. He showed up just like us. See, many of us, I think, have this tendency to, to look at Jesus as superhuman. Which, which creates a set of problems, right? Because if, if Jesus is superhuman and we forget Jesus' humanity, we, we end up seeing him as someone that we can't possibly relate to. He doesn't know what I deal with. He doesn't know the struggles I endure. We forget that Jesus has walked more than a mile in our sandals. And they weren't Burks and they weren't Chakas, and yes, he did get blisters, or what we end up doing with Jesus is that we, we somehow assume that he didn't really experience the limitations of the human condition. Like he was just always above that. And, and if he can't relate to us, if he's never actually walked in our shoes, navigated our struggles, dealt with our challenges, been met by our limitations, then how on earth can we follow him? It'd be like Iron Man saying, hey, come join me, but forgetting to give us the suit. So how do we do that? But here's the thing that we need to understand about Jesus. Jesus wasn't superhuman. Now Jesus holds on to the whole of the divinity, right? He, he holds on to that. But the Bible says that he actually empties himself out of all of that glorious stuff that we often attribute to God. In fact, one of the writers of the New Testament by the, by the name of Paul, he writes this in his letter that he search, sends to a church in this, this ancient town of Philippi, he says that Jesus, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage, but who emptied himself out 
and became like us, taking the role of a servant. So what we could say there is that that Jesus, in who he is, in in what he shows himself to be to us, is that he represents what it means to be fully human. And as someone who exists as fully human, fully alive, living into the abundance that humanity was created for, Jesus was tapped into a power reserve that did not leave him prone to bonking. So we we need to find out, if if, if Jesus really does exemplify what it means to be fully human, then, then what is this power reserve that Jesus taps into? So let's talk about it. Let's turn to Scripture. Let's peer into a story. I I love this story. There's a great story. Back in in the day of Jesus, there was this this spot in Jerusalem. And in this spot in Jerusalem held held this sort of myth that that it was a a little well, and you can see a picture of it here. It's a little well. It's called the Well of Bethesda. And, And the myth went that when the waters were full, that occasionally the waters would start swirling around. And and here was the myth, that, that the angels had actually dipped their finger into the water and started spinning it around. And if you were the first one in the waters when it started spinning, you could be healed. Which is really great if all your extremities work. But if you're a paralytic and, and you don't have anybody to help you in the pool and you're laid there every single day, it's kind of just cruelly taunting you. And that was the condition of the man that Jesus meets in John chapter 5. Listen, listen to this. One who was there had been an invalid, think about this, 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, now, I love this question. I hope you all do too. Jesus asked him, he says, do you want to get well? Can we just pause there for a moment? Is there times when you're reading Jesus and go, like, seriously, is that the best question you can ask? Like, come on, that's like, that's like a Captain Obvious moment, right? Like, what do you mean do you want to get well? But I think Jesus understood something. We have, a, we have a tendency to become well-adjusted to our dysfunctions. And we just sort of settle in and we try to operate from our own reserves and capacities. And we just sort of, and I think he really wanted to know, is this something that you want to see change in your life? And that's a question that at some point we all have to ask. Is, is that something we want to see changed in our lives? Are we, are we okay just with the depletion and the running out? Or do we want to be made well? Sir, the invalid replied, I, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred while I'm trying to get in. Someone else comes down ahead of me. Now, I want to say this. What happens next, if you know anything about Jesus, is one of those no-brainers, Okay? Like you can anticipate what's going to happen next. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. Now, is anybody shocked by that? No. We kind of expect that that's what Jesus does, right? He shows up, he recognizes brokenness, he speaks into brokenness, and brokenness goes away. I mean, like that's the miracle that you would expect. But... There's something that's a little bit later in the story that we need to be attuned to. Because if if we're not attuned to it, we're going to miss something that Jesus says. Because remember, Jesus isn't superhuman. So so in order for him to do something here, it's going to require something that we need to see. Listen to what he says in, in verse 19 of that story. 
Very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Did you catch that? First off, I want you to see that that Jesus' actions represent the Father's actions in this world. If you want to know what God would do in our world, you just have to look to Jesus. But the second thing that I think is really important for us is that Jesus could do nothing himself. As, as one who had, had emptied himself on and taken on the human condition, his capacity to remedy human brokenness was made possible solely through the work of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God at work in his life. Now we need to explore what is this power, what is this spirit, what is this thing that Jesus seems to have tapped in, this reserve that gives him this unending capacity to live out this fully human, fully alive life. Now before we go any further, I want to say this. Jesus tapped into that reserve that never goes dry. Jesus does not bonk. Jesus does not underestimate the toll that life is going to take on us, nor does he overestimate what is in the human tank. There's something else at work here. And to discover what this something else is, you have to turn to Scripture. And one of the things that I'd like to believe that is if something shows up multiple times in Scripture, you really got to pay attention to it. And there's a particular story that shows up time and time and time again in all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the New Testament, all of them tell the story of Jesus, and it shows up, and it, it, it's written this way. The Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him. The Spirit sending on, descending on him like a dove. And the Holy Spirit descending on him in bodily form like a dove. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. In this story, Jesus is being baptized. And all four accounts speak to something that is key for us. That as Jesus is coming out of the water... Something happens. The Spirit of God descends upon him, and his life and ministry will be marked by an empowerment that will align him to the purposes of God and give him the capacity to live this fully human, fully alive kind of life. Jesus said, I could do nothing. Now, that's, that's not altogether true, right? We, we're pretty capable of a lot of things. But he said, I could do nothing redemptive, nothing transformative, nothing life-altering unless the Spirit of God comes on us. And, and none of this is lost on Peter. Peter being one of Jesus' closest friends, he had, he'd walked closely with Jesus. And, and, and Peter being one who was no stranger to bonking. Let's just face it. When you read Peter's life, like Peter is the, the perfect example of the one who underestimates the toll of following Jesus and then goes, man, I got this, and overestimates his only capacity. And, and here's the challenge. Peter doesn't bonk. Peter crashes. And that's what will happen to many of us if we're not careful. And we're not, we're not intentional about pursuing what it is that this is speaking to us. But Peter, when he sees all these miracles and when he sees Jesus' life, he points to something. He says, beginning from Galilee... After the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, 
He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter says if you want to understand the capacity of Jesus to move and breathe and act in ways that exemplified what it meant to be fully human, you need to understand that everything that Jesus did was in the power of the Holy Spirit. We look at Jesus, we're seeing a model for what it actually means to be fully human, fully alive, to live into this fullness that humanity was intended for. But then get this, and this is mind-blowing. Jesus was dependent upon the Spirit, but then he says that you, you have access to the very same Spirit that enabled Jesus to do what he did. You have access to that very same power reserve. Before his death and resurrection, Jesus says to his followers, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Can you imagine what that must have been like hearing Jesus? Can you imagine the moment when, the, when, when Jesus says to them, hey, whatever you see and hear, there's one that's coming, and he's going to enable you to live out and do the same things. That your life doesn't have to be shaped by a perpetual bonking. Your life doesn't have to be consistently depleted. You don't have to consistently run out. See, I think Jesus understood that we have this tendency to underestimate the toll that life, struggles, limitations, challenges, defeat and disappointment, discouragement and despair will have upon our lives. And we'll overestimate, I got this. I got any, I got this kind of people in here? I got this, right? Jesus said, no, 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 you, you ain't got this. <laughs> you don't have to just got this. Because there's one, there's power, there's, there's a reserve made possible for you. He says this in, at one point in, as he's leading his disciples. He says, on one occasion while I was eating with them, he gave them this command. He said, don't leave Jerusalem yet, but wait for the gift of my Father promised, which you've heard me speak about. So Jesus is just about ready to depart and go back to the Father. And he says, okay, I'm, you're going to go out and show the world what it means to live this fully human life and what it means to live a life that it was designed the way the Creator designed it. But before you go, don't go run it out on your own tank because you will run out. Wait. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Wait till the Spirit of God comes upon your life and enables you to tap into this reserve of power that makes possible what you once would have thought impossible. So how does that happen? How does that happen? What's the takeaway in this? So first off, if you have declared your allegiance to Jesus, if you've said yes to Jesus, you right now have access to that same power that is that, it, that was and is in Christ Jesus. He makes it present to us. Now, there's some specific ways in which that begins to manifest itself in our lives. One of the things that I love is to point back to that story when Jesus comes out of the waters of his baptism. And I have seen that. I, I, I think there's a number of different ways in which the Spirit begins to move and, and take hold of us, but I've seen it over and over again throughout my journey of pastoring when that Spirit of God comes upon someone when they take that first act of obedience after saying yes to Jesus, and they say, you know what, I'm going to be baptized. 
I've had the privilege of baptizing hundreds of people throughout my ministry. And I'll just show you a quick, quick picture there. I, I could tell you the stories after the stories. Steel, the big biker in the middle. I, I remember him coming out of those waters. And every year on that same date, he, he sends me a message through Facebook and says, Pastor, I'll never forget that day. You can see the joy on their faces because something was happening in their lives that pointed to the fullness of God's spirit at work in their lives. The transformation that that had meant for them. So baptism, I, I would encourage you if you've yet to be baptized to, 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 maybe, to maybe think about taking that next step because we would love to walk with you in that. And, and Pastor John in a little bit are going to give you some instructions if you're interested in that of how to make that happen. And, and I'm wondering if maybe some of us are in here just right now, we're, we're in a little bit of a spiritual life bonk. We, we just feel a little defeated and depleted and run out and fatigued and fed up. And you've given all that you can to this life of faith. Can I, just, can I just share with you something that a pastor once prayed over his congregation? It's captured in the New Testament. Listen to this prayer. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Now listen to this piece. And his incomparably great power for us who believe. This power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. Listen to that. The same power that lifted Christ from the grave is the same power that's accessible to you. There's something profound in that. So maybe you have been baptized. Maybe you've taken that step. What else can you do? I think, I think one of the key things that we can do is learn to be attentive to the ways in which God wants to move in our lives every single day. Well, what if you and I were, were to pause before our day even got going? While, while the crust is still thick in the eyes and the coffee's still hot in your hand, and you were to pause and you were to just Take a moment in the solitude and silence of that moment, anticipating of everything that was coming, every conversation you were going to have, every meeting that you were going to be a part of, every Zoom room that you were going to have to move through, every classroom that you were going to step into, every challenge you were going to face, and you simply begin to pray the prayer, come Holy Spirit. What would it look like to take that time, every single moment of every single day, to catch yourself right in the midst of that moment where you're about to argue with your spouse on the thing that you know you're right about, and you say, come, Holy Spirit. Those moments when you've given everything that you can in every way you can, and it's left you defeated and beat up and wore out, and you simply say, come, Holy Spirit. I want to invite you, there's, this, there's a great story that Pastor Carrie Laodicer, she is our community pastor out at our Naperville location. She tells a great story of how the Spirit of God moves in the subtleties of our lives when we invite the Holy Spirit to speak. Check this story out. Several years ago, I was packing for a trip, and in the closet, I sensed I was supposed to grab an instant heating pack and stick it in my backpack. It was a really weird thought, and I assumed it was like bad pizza I had had the night before for dinner, but I clearly sensed again I was supposed to grab this thing and stick it in my backpack. 
I was in a hurry to catch a plane and I sort of rolled my eyes at the prompting, but I grabbed it and stuck it in my backpack anyways. While going through security at the airport, I noticed a guy in front of me get pulled over for extra security checks. I didn't think much of it at the time, except for how much of an inconvenience it must have been for him, and it definitely made me notice him. I sent up a quick prayer for him and then moved on. Later, when I boarded the plane, the very same guy from security was my seatmate. We talked for a few minutes about his work as an IT professional, and as per usual, when I told him I was a pastor, the conversation fairly quickly concluded, and we flew most of the rest of the way in silence. About halfway through the flight, I noticed this man leaning forward and rubbing his lower back. I immediately had that little voice remind me of this heating pack, and I very much resisted again and insisted it was just bad pizza. But the reminder was persistent. I was embarrassed to tell this guy the story, but I sensed I was supposed to pull out this heating pack and give it to him and to tell him about the father's love, how he had prompted me to pack this thing that morning and I didn't even know why. That clearly God just wanted this new friend to know he was loved. As I gave it to him, he broke down in tears. After he tried to pay me for it and we spent the rest of the flight talking about God and his love about Jesus' death and resurrection, about the Spirit's partnership in this life. Isn't it incredible the links God will go through to communicate his love? What I love about this story is it points to that to be fully human, to be fully alive, to live every single day dependent upon the Spirit, depending upon a, a grace that he provides that you and I need every single day, dependent upon a power that helps us to press through those challenging and difficult moments of the human condition, dependent upon the Spirit that, that gives us that still, small voice that prompts us to do the very things that you and I were created to do. There's no bonking when you're following Jesus and living by the Spirit. The question could be asked is, what, what happens if you don't? One quick story as we finish up here. So because I began with the fact that I'm a marathoner, half marathoner that one time, um, I, so it became, it was marathon day, and um, I had trained hard, and I was ready to go. And I was convinced I had enough in the tank. So the gun sounded, and I took off. Now, I was new to this. I didn't have one of those cool watches that tells you where you are or how fast you're going, I didn't have a smartphone at the time. I had none of that stuff. I didn't even have one of those cool like water bottle things that you can like wrap around your hand. I was just running. So I ran up against, uh, alongside of this skinny guy. Sorry, that's how I identify people. Um, and he, real small dude, and he had one of those cool watches. I was like, hey man, can I run with you? And he, and he laughed. <laughs> He's like, I run 30 to 50 of these a year. I went, oh. He said, but I'll coach you. So he, he coached me and coaxed me on for about the first seven miles, and we were moving at a clip that I have never run before in my life. Eight to eight and a half minute miles for the first seven miles. And then after seven miles, he looks at me and he says, yeah, dude, I'm out. And he takes off, and now I'm alone. And I could feel the bonking happening, right? Like I could feel I was running out. So I, I ran past those tables. You know how they have those tables out? And there was these packs of goo 
Anybody ever got one of those packs of goo? I had never. So I grabbed one of the packs of goo and I squeezed it into my mouth as I'm running. That is the cruelest joke anybody could ever play on a human being. Those are disgusting. <laughs> so now I'm not only bonking, but I'm nauseous. And, and I'm realizing, like, all of these skinny people, half my size, they're walking. I should walk. And so seven gives way to eight, and I'm just about to mile number nine. And I'm just about to pull up, give up, stop in my tracks. When out of the blue, no one, no one had come with me to this race, but out of the blue, my dad, who was hiding behind a tree, jumps out and says, son, you got this. And there was an energy exchanged from father to son that I can't put into words. And I was like, yep. And I took off. And mile 11 came around and I was bonking again. And my dad found another spot on the course. And he said, son, you got this. And again, this energy from father to son made possible my finish of the race. What if I told you that God knows how, how grueling life's race can be? But there is this energy from father to son and from father and son to us in the form of the Holy Spirit that makes possible a finishing of this life's race well. If you'll simply draw from it and say, come, Holy Spirit, come and be with me. Can we pray together? Father, what a gift your spirit is to us. What a gift to step into this moment and be in this place and in your presence and just simply say, come Holy Spirit upon us. We long for you, for that grace that we need, for that power that we need, for that strength that we need, for that, that prompting that we need. Help us, Lord, to lean into the grace of your Holy Spirit so that we don't have to life bonk and spiritual bonk but that we can live into the fullness that we've been created for. Thank you, Jesus. We trust the Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit.